Hey, sis. Welcome back to Black Girl SOS. It's your girl, Snobby. And today we are talking about Black women in the literary space. And as always, I bring you the best of the best. My dear, introduce yourself. My name is Daniela Lopez. I am a teacher. I teach uh, grades 6 through 12 at a public school in East Harlem. I've been teaching for about 12 years now. And I'm also the author and illustrator of a children's book called Afros, Braids, and Curls, ABCs for Curly Girls. And for the YouTubers, this is the book. We'd love to see it. Yeah. <laughs> I am T. Moore. Uh, I am an attorney by day. I have my own law firm, Moore & Young Legal Solutions, where we do trademarks, copyrights, and contracts. I am also in soon-to-be published author. Well, let me back up. I am a published author. I, I was about to correct you. <laughs> yeah, I about to say, wait, I, I don't even have my book by me, but I published my first romance novel back in 2018 under the pen name Nisha Sky, um, entitled After the Storm. However, uh, recently I have a book deal that I will be, that just announced with Chicago Review Press, where we'll be writing about contemporary film directors um, who are women. So I'll be highlighting all the black ladies. Um, so that's um, my, something I'm working on. And I have some other works in the, in the oven, but I can't announce them because, you know, publishing is so secretive. I heard that. Listen, don't <laughs> breach that NDA for me because I ain't got no money for you. Uh-uh. <laughs> So I appreciate you ladies for coming on. You know, I like to tell you guys where I know my dope guests from. DJ is my dope, dope, dope line sister. And T is my dope, dope, dope good girlfriend from law school. See, when you're dope, you attract dope. Note to self, be dope, okay? (laughs) So what made you ladies want to start writing? Was writing something that was always on the agenda? Like, yeah, I'm gonna teach or I'm gonna do this, but I'm also gonna be an author. Or did that like come to you as life started to happen? T, I'll throw it to you first. So I've been writing, such a, such a funny question. I've been writing really, it's cliche, but I have been writing since I was young. Like I got my first journal probably about five or six and I used to just doodle in it and whatever six-year-old problems I had, maybe like, you know, I wanted some cookies that day. That was definitely going in the journal. Um, but as I got older, I really took to it. And I used to get, you know, the, the little awards, accolades, but becoming an author really wasn't the end game um, for me at the time. Um, but it was always my saving grace, especially on exams that had writings to, you know, writing to it. It was like- Girl, law school. <laughs> saving grace, first semester law school. You and me both. <laughs> yes, the bar as well. Like definitely the saving grace. I still can't do the MBE questions. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. But recently, to be honest, the um, I had stopped writing, and my journal at seventeen had got violated by a family member. Mm. And by violated, I mean she photocopied this a particular entry, and it was like a really bad entry. So imagine a sixteen, seventeen year old. Whatever life I is. I was really just expecting you to say somebody read that shit. I, ah, she read it and photocopied it. That's yes. such a violation. Right? Yes, it was such a huge violation. Called a family meeting and, um, you know, read it out loud. Out loud? To oh family. Yeah. Wow. Highlighted the areas that she wanted to read. This, see, this is my Jamaican side of the family. <laughs> Well, they don't got no boundaries. I said it. No boundaries. I said it. (laughs) And that was really the attitude. It was like, well, what you going to do? 
it was just like, why are you so vexed? It was like, I'm really vexed now. Now, like, I wasn't now. before. But um, that stopped me and it really stunted my writing. And it was very hard to feel safe to write, um, to feel comfortable journaling and to even write creatively. It was just like this, this block. So I did enough to pass classes, but creative writing, I just, I mean, I tried to do some spoken word at Morehouse mm-hmm. uh, when I was um, at Clark, but I just couldn't. Come on, HBCUs. <laughs> I just couldn't connect to it. And then I had kids and that opened up something new for me. And it just, you know, it inspired me in a way to just get back into it. And so I've even started writing picture books and like, you know, getting into, you know, that's just, I'm gonna have to get your book, DJ, because I got girls. So just, you know, really getting involved in my writing and taking my craft seriously probably happened over the past couple of years um, and just going full throttle. And this year during the pandemic has probably been the most creative I've been ironically it's it's interesting I think for a lot of people for as shitty as 2020 has been in totality it's forced a lot of people back into their creative spaces it definitely has forced me back into mine people's exhibit a (laughs) so yeah I mean that that's dope though that your kids kind of brought you back to writing that that, that's a dope little story that you should share with them you know when they're not terrorists (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. When they're not harassing me, I might share that they're my muses, you know. But for now, I'm be like, y'all, just trying to during the pandemic. <laughs> so, DJ, what brought you to writing? Um, for me, it wasn't something that I wanted to do when I was younger. It wasn't really something that I thought about. Um, I never had an issue with writing, like academically. I love editing and proofreading and doing that sort of academic writing, but. Um, I didn't really think about being an author or publishing books or anything like that. Um, But one year, it was probably around 2014, um, shortly after, it was like the year after I did my big chop, I used to have a relaxer. And then I did a big chop and had a small little afro and was like learning how to do my natural hair. Um, I thought like, you know, there really needs to be books that are geared towards kids loving little girls, little black girls loving their natural hair. Because while I was never told that my hair wasn't beautiful as a kid, um, implicitly, like, you know, when it was- We did keep our hair very straight. We were very serious in undergrad. (laughs) When it was pressed as a kid was when you got the compliments or that was like when your hair was done, Mm -hmm. you know? That's right. you know, later on, I got a relaxer and I had no issue with my relaxer whatsoever. And even then, we were very serious at 210. That, <laughs> we were very serious yeah. about that straight hair. We did not. Yeah, we had the thermosilk down. We had, we had it down to a science. <laughs> we, we were silky straight. We were running a full on salon out of 210. We were, <laughs> because there were no like black, good black hair salons. There were so um, anyway, um, you know, I'm as grown, grown woman figuring out my natural hair because I didn't really know mm-hmm. how to do it. Um, I just thought that there was like a need for like this love of the natural hair and what it is my nieces, um, they've always had natural hair. And um, they would kind of be fascinated with my relaxed hair because my hair did well with the relaxer. It grew, it didn't break, it was healthy, it was long. And they would say, oh, you know, when we get older, we're going to get a relaxer. And I'm like, no, 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 don't do it. It's a trap. It's a trap. 
So they're like, oh, they would be so fascinated with it. And I'm like, no, your hair is beautiful. Your hair is gorgeous. Like, don't, you don't need that. You know, your hair is perfect. You're perfect the way that you are. And I just thought about it. And I'm like, I'm telling them this, yet I'm continuously straightening and relaxing my hair. So as much as I'm telling them that their hair is beautiful, right. what am I saying if I don't, if I'm not embracing my own? So that yeah, was really sure. what prompted me to, um, you know, I'm like, let me see how it goes. What's the worst that could happen? I'm just going to transition for a little while. Couldn't do that because it was hot. It got hot. <laughs> and I was like straightening in and I'll be worried about like having a little afro at the top. So I was like, you know what? The demarcation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I chopped it off in June when it started getting hot and, you know, learned my hair. And then one day um, I was just like writing and like it came to me, like the book just came to me and I wrote you know, the letters, it was like a poem and it just, it was very easy for me, honestly. So that was like 2014. And then it was the illustrations that was like, I got stuck. I had major block for that. Which surprises me for the people who don't know DJ, she is an artist. So (laughs) I thought this story in all truth was going to start in the inverse. I thought it was going to start with girl, you know, I drew all this stuff Mm -hmm. and then I had to figure out how to get some words laid down. No, (laughs) it was the opposite. And what it is, um, I'm very critical of myself. And I know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She knows me very well. (laughs) I drew a couple of the illustrations. I drew like the cover, the girl. Um, I drew a few of the other girls. And I was just like, ah, you know, I don't think this is it. These are not good. So I just like stopped and left it alone for- Mind you all, she's a super talented artist, like super talented. Literally years, I left it alone. (laughs) I didn't touch the book. I'm just like, ah, you know. And then finally, it was like when I finally um, opened myself up to like collaboration and to getting feedback and started sharing it with other people and getting more feedback. that was when it was, it became quick. So I published my book in uh, 2018. Y'all so dope, y'all so dope. You know what, you bring up an interesting point though, because it's one that I am not, I probably struggle with just as a human being. Um, (laughs) Sharing and collaborating because I sat on this podcast for a very long time. Um, For a long time, I didn't want to do it just because I, I know my, my personality type and I was not in a space where I wouldn't snap back. Like if you said some slick shit to me online, sis, I'm going to track your IP address and we're going to address this shit face to face, right? Like (laughs) we're going to have a real conversation about what the fuck you just wrote in my comments. So I knew that that was not the space I needed to be in. I needed to be in the space where you, like I could receive whatever you had to say, good, bad or indifferent. And it wasn't going to sway me from the art of what I was doing or from the message of what I was doing. And it wasn't until a good friend of mine's from, um, at the law school, T, I, I went to Kansas City to do my LLM in tax and I worked at H&R Black World Headquarters. So the only other Black person on my team was obviously my, he was literally my only Black friend in Kansas City, period. Okay, he's the only Black person. One Black friend. Only Black friend, only Black person I knew, period. And so randomly, he popped up on my LinkedIn, and and this is like two, yeah, what, a a little over a year and a half ago, he popped up on my LinkedIn, and I just was like, hey, what's up, how you been? And he was like, yo, where are you you in New York? And I was like, no, I live in Florida, but actually I'm here visiting, and we just got up, and I shared with him 
what like I had what had been sitting on my heart that I wasn't comfortable to creatively share with anybody else. Mm-hmm. And then he shared with me some of the stuff that he was working on. And it was an us exchanging ideas and becoming each other's accountability partner that mm-hmm. finally I got this shit off off the rope. Do you mm-hmm. feel like that's like a common theme is like for creatives or for black creatives? That's well, something common when you interact with black creatives. And then DJ, you want to go first? Um I, I would say that I, I'll speak from my experience. Um, I was very hesitant to um, just like what you shared. I was very hesitant to reach out to other people because it's like I have my own ideas, and I, if somebody tells me something and I don't really like it, I'm just gonna be like, oh, you know, or am I <laughs> obligated to take their feedback? And I'm very, I'm also a highly sensitive person, so Tasha also knows that <laughs> very well. <laughs> So um, I tend to just, you know, keep it, keep it close, keep it. I hold it close to me and, you know, I figure it out. And I, I like for my book, it was like I had to do it by myself for some reason. Like that was that was it. That was pl- constantly playing in my head. Like I have to do it. I have to do it by myself. I have to figure it out like on my own. And I was very resistant to like getting feedback or getting help from other people because people were like if you want to publish the book like if you're having a hard time with the illustrations hire an illustrator and I'm like nope like nope I don't want to do that I want to do that like I was just like shutting all the ideas down and then finally when I was like I'm not I'm not this is not I'm not finishing it on my own like yeah not happening it's I've been stuck for years maybe I need to just listen and be open to feedback so I did that and I you know there were a couple of illustrators that that came and and I didn't like their style. And I was just like, you know what? Thank you, but no, thank you. That's not it. And then like, you know, I realized that it didn't have to be one or the other. Like I can keep searching until I find the right collaborator and it ends up working out perfectly. Yeah. So for me, um, I definitely have, now I have critique partners. I actually have people who I'm comfortable with, with sharing my work with, who I can give my words to. a little easier on on the kid lit side for me to find people to share like a picture book with because picture books are short um sharing my novels with i do have two incredible women that i do share it with but i do want a couple of more eyes on my novels um because they're longer work so th- there's a lot of room for me to kind of err off the plot or to kind of lose the way um so to speak mm-hmm. but as a creative I, I haven't met a creative yet who, who doesn't feel that way. Like we're, we're artists, right? Like, so we're sensitive about our shit. Like it's art. <laughs> and so there's, there's this level of you want to protect it, but there's also this thing, I think in the black community, we're always afraid someone's going to steal our stuff. Right. Ooh, so that's an interesting point. That's really probably. Come on, trademark attorney, shut it down. <laughs> you know, the people are concerned about stealing. So, you know, you always have to tell people, you know, they're like, should I copyright my stuff? Like, you know, um, I'm fly that NDA in a minute. In a let minute. me tell you something. That NDA is don't violate no NDAs. But also <laughs> understanding that copyright, you know, as far as copyright laws are concerned, if something you have that's actually eligible for copyright protection, it attached the moment you created it, right? Yeah. So, am I ever worried about putting my work out in the, into the universe for someone else to see it? Well, that comes into me kind of vetting the people who you know who's going to get my work. You know, it mm-hmm. has to kind of have a little quid you know what the quid pro quo yeah Um, Mm -hmm. so like are we sharing work are we both exchanging ideas or whatever the case may be um but also 
if you're like, for example, going to go out for an agent and you're going to be going into the querying process, you don't go copyright your stuff. Like you just, you don't, it's already copyright. But I understand why people do it. It's mm-hmm. that fear of my work is going to be stolen. I mean, it happens. It happens. I mean, it happens it's, it's, it's not an unwarranted fear. It does yeah. happen. And it, it happens often, like way more often than is discussed. Yes, yes. I mean, you can probably go out there on YouTube or on Audible and people's whole books, published authors too, just taken. Just Yeah, no, that's a real thing. That's a so, real thing. And then people will say, oh, I was influenced by the... Mm-hmm, that's the language they like to use. I was inspired by... Were you? <laughs> yeah, I bet you was. Real literally reading what I wrote in your stuff like no. So I mean there's that hesitancy, I think, especially for new authors. And I think that speaks to um DJ's point about why she didn't give the work out initially. Like there's there's that, there's and I'm sensitive too. Like for me, when someone critiques, like I had to get new critique partners too, because everybody can't read your stuff. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn, you know. I prefer black people to read my stuff. Mm-hmm. I've had some white women read my stuff. <laughs> and, you know, it takes me back sometimes. I'll be like, are you, you white gays in my stuff? Like, <laughs> you know, and I don't sometimes look, I need to sit down and teach you culture either right now. I don't have time for that and i I ain't saying that i write the most blackity blackity black stuff however comma there i don't have time to teach you culture right now yeah but um but i also had to learn not to be so sensitive too Mm -hmm. with that i had to kind of just be mindful but i also had to know like for me i will incorporate people's comments i'll you know i'll overthink it and so then the work no longer becomes my own and that happened with the manuscript that i'm actually still working on where I took everybody's comments and tried to fix it. And my agent was just like, okay, you're going to be mad. But the last version was better. That's she, my concern. Yeah, that's, she, that's, my, that's my concern. Like I, I just lost good. a lot of stuff that I wrote. So I'm working on an anthology and I lost a lot of the stuff that I wrote because of my own, uh, I, my own dereliction of duty. And I lost a lot mm-hmm. of it. I'm not over mad about it because I had already decided I was going to rewrite three of the stories because when I reread it like a month later, I wasn't as in love with it as when I wrote it. I was like, ah, this shit kind of arid. So I was going to rewrite them anyway. But because I am not as sensitive as maybe the two of you are, when I do get feedback, I don't. I don't feel like ah, I can't incorporate it. I feel like, ah, let me see where I can sort this shit in. And then I feel like, well, I've incorporated so much of everybody else's thought. Is mm-hmm. this even an original work of mine anymore? Right. Like I'm, I'm hyper conscious of that. Even with, even with my podcast, like I, I always open it up. I want people to give me topics that they want to hear so that mm-hmm. I'm talking about what the people that listen to the show want to hear. Yeah. Conversely though, don't tell me how to try to talk about it. Like, Mm. tell me what you want to hear and then let me do my thing you can't like you're not gonna be like the write the table of contents to my podcast like that's not how this is gonna work well you know that's really kind of the issue with publishing though right now so although like I indie published my first one I've made the decision to go traditional part of the problem with publishing is that like the Oscars is so white Mm. and it took 
the death of George Floyd recently to kind of get some things moving. However, comma, there's still a lot of performative editors and agents out there. Mm -hmm. And so as Black people or people of color are out here wanting to go that route, because it, let me be honest, traditional publishing, only reason why I didn't go at it the first go around was out of fear. Fear of waiting for someone to validate my writing to tell well, me that's that what i was going to ask so girl you're already on it Get to <laughs> well, it. <laughs> well that was the fear right like the fear was can i really write a i know i can write but if i wait for someone in publishing to tell me because there's you can read plenty of query stories of people who queried hundreds of times and mm -hmm. some of our favorite authors got hundreds almost thousands of rejections from agents mm -hmm. or from from editors and you're just like you know like I knew like for me for example the bar was one and done if I couldn't pass this bar the first time I was gonna take a sign from Jesus that that wasn't meant to be for me and I need to go not me else. like not me I had to truck through that bitch several times but <laughs> I already knew what was for me was for me it was coming either right. today or tomorrow delayed not denied died honey I honey I was not there and so that was my <laughs> mindset though with the writing I was like how can I really I mean I I didn't get as far into the process my process into how I got my agent and even with all the stuff that's happening for me on the publishing side it's rare it is a unicorn of unicorns but mm -hmm. I also believe it's one of them things like you just said delayed not denied and so I feel like it's God saying no this is what you're supposed to be doing mm -hmm. from the beginning anyway and it feels very purposeful I feel very intent about it like the the no's that I've gotten I, I didn't give up. It's like the the one thing I haven't given up on. I've spent with three kids, you know, my kids are five and under. Mm -hmm. I'm up either late at night or I'm getting up early in the morning. I'm doing something of some writing and I'm, you know, so it was scary. It was scary to wait for somebody to give me the validation to tell me, okay, you're good enough. Cause it's subjective, like any industry subjective, yeah. you know? So, um, but being mindful of like of that fact that publishing is, is so white and they have a long way to go. Yeah, like some of the stuff that they like. It's, it's white you, as hell and, and, yeah. and I'm black as hell. So <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes they'll tell you like, oh, this we need this. But see, you know what you want is trauma stories. And I don't write trauma stories. I'm not giving you a slave narrative. I'm not giving you, you know, a social right. justice piece. Like we have authors who do that and do, and it, do it with yeah. excellence and they with do it with excellence. excellence. I write black joy. Come on. Black, you know what I'm saying? Black love, black joy. My black people gonna be regular. They're gonna be washing their hands, wiping ass. Like <laughs> just like any I, other human. Do you hear me? Like I, I that's how it. regular I there, want them. There's, there's a dope um I don't wanna say it's a colloquium. It's kinda like there's it's kinda like it is a colloquium, but there's also like a contest mm -hmm. attached to it. Anyway, of um these black women who recently got like this like kind of like a grant from a publishing house to write black magic nonfiction. Now y'all know I'm huge on Harry Potter, so I'm I follow them, I'm locked and loaded, I don't miss nothing. I wish that I wish I had a brain for that kind of writing because I love to read it. But I just I'm like, wow, that one it's so exciting because it's so brand new that there's gonna be this collective of black women intentionally coming together just to write yeah. like those kind of stories because we don't have those kind of narratives. You know, there's that one black kid, um, what's Buddy from How to Get Away with Murder, the dead kid, the one that died? Yeah. 
Wait. What's the black dude's name? Wes. Well, he's the one black kid in Harry Potter. The lone black... And you know why you don't know? Because he got one speaking role in eight movies. Maybe two. So we don't really have those kind of... We don't have those kind of stories. So it's really dope to see, like us expanding into the different genres but before i rear off into genres because i'll be there forever um dj self-published or big publishing house why why not so i self-published um and part of the reason was because um i did some research about um publishing traditionally and um for children's books what i in my research what i found is that for children's books publishers want you to come without your book illustrated. So they want to pair you with an illustrator. Um, and I was very much, uh, I very much wanted to illustrate my book myself. And I had a vision for how I wanted the illustrations to look. Um, so that is what swayed me to, to go towards self-publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also trying to do it in a certain uh, short amount of time um, and just didn't have the, the energy or with with working and doing all the other things that I'm doing I'm just like I didn't have the bandwidth to um pursue traditional publishing that that's fair enough that's do you think you'll ever pursue traditional publishing um I don't know um because for me um the self-publishing was it worked well I'm okay with it like (laughs) my book can be found on Barnes and Nobles like it that's why I plugged the books ladies (laughs) plug the books it People can be, you know, the content. It's on Amazon. It's available on Amazon. So I don't. Um, I'm not. I'm not anti self self publish, self publishing. So that is I, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. What about agents? How how do we feel about agents? Are we pro or or anti literary agents? So what I what I know of it, which is very little. Let's be clear, <laughs> extremely little, is that they are hard as hell to come by. And if you do get one, like, unless you're exceptional, they kind of don't really do a lot for you. Well, they help you with your publishing contract. So um, you can also, you know, you can get a lawyer for that. Right? I'm about to say, girl, we whole ass attorneys. I'm not going <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but we do, we know publishing contracts because you got to learn the industry. No, but we have a network of other attorneys that probably do. Why am I going to seek out an agent? You for could. You could, but that's where they come in at. They come in and get the sale. They have the relationships with the editors. So the you relationships, see, that's, right. their, so that's see, their bread and butter. That's their bread and butter. I don't need them to read no goddamn contract. Well, <laughs> you may not, but you probably, you, I may be a lawyer, but I take my lawyer hat off and let my agent do her job. But thankfully she's a lawyer too, but I'm gonna let you do your job. Like I said, lawyer, you right. got a lawyer network. I knew you did. You know I did, right? You're not slick. You're not but slick, T. It's the relationship with the editors. So mm. when you go out onto submissions, right, I don't know all these editors over here at Penguin or HarperCollins yeah. and, you know, all the different imprints and the breakdown of all that's in there. Also, by the way, before I go any further, they actually are, look, editors and agents are actually looking for illustrators now. It's weird how publishing changes. They want illustrators and they want to see your dummy profile. So just in case you do decide, listen, you might, DJ, hop on that extra. You could do, do a hybrid. Matter of fact, because you know, I have seen some some call outs on editors looking for illustrators. So if you're interested, just in some extra coins, secure all the bags. <laughs> all bags. <laughs> so so agents. Yes and no, they're hard to come by because again, it's subjective, right? So people are out here querying. You know, they didn't got. Uh, 
hundreds of rejections, whatever the case would be, until they get the one yes, right? Mm -hmm. So you get your yes. The next thing is you want to make sure you connect because this is supposed to be, again, a relationship. I'm supposed to be entrusting you to get my work sold. And if you're going to be getting 15% of my, you know, my gross, um, I need to make sure that you're going to be doing the work because they work for you, right? So the agent needs to be working for you. They need to, now you have to see what type of agent because there's different types of agents. You have editorial agents. You have agents who don't read your stuff and just send it out. Not good if they do that. However, especially bigger name agents, probably not reading your stuff, probably sending it out. So you might want to make sure that you do have people read your stuff and you kind of tighten it up before it goes to an editor. So um, your agent is going to send out your manuscript to a list you should see the list of people who they're going to send it to so it's going to be editors at different publishing houses small medium big however it works out um the editors depending on the type of situation and by situation i mean how how their imprint are they're set up at um at their publishing house mm-hmm. will go to an acquisitions board meeting and that's where you have to kind of again somebody has to sell you now yeah. to the people writing the checks um you know and there's you know questions and i don't know what all goes into it but it's a meeting that's happening behind the closed doors mm-hmm. um if they like it you get an offer if they don't like it you get a pass so it's like that constant you know passing you know we love it we don't love it um I've been on the submission process, you know, obviously. So um, it's not as daunting as it was as looking for an agent. Um, and I just kind of got really blessed in our in my situation with my agent is that we have a, a, a mutual friend. So I kind of went through a back door mm-hmm. um, to connect with her and we just really clicked. So, and it's been since June, July or so, since this summer. And it's been fairly, it's been going fairly well so far. I don't have any like issues or complaints That's with great. her. We get along very well. Um, so I just love her to pieces. So it's like, it's been great. So, um, you know, but would I, I still have, I could still always go self-publish too if I wanted to, right? So if there's something that doesn't sell, if it's something no one's interested in, I now have kind of a renewed vigor where I'm like, screw it, I do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> and there's authors who do that, who um, Kwame Alexander, perfect perfect example, who self-published and he is freaking Newberry honor. Like he's amazing. Big, yeah. He's a big freaking deal. Yeah. And this guy, you know, when people was rejecting him or not buying his, he did it himself. So sometimes you just do both, you know, um, you can do a hybrid. So it's, it's, that means don't be signing no exclusive rights contracts, ladies and gentlemen. That's, <laughs> that's what that, that and that was free. We charging for the that rest. was free. <laughs> but I can also review your publishing contract, and I'm cheaper than an agent. So. Get the work, sis. Secure all the bags. <laughs> I'm also secure cheaper. all the bags. What about you, DJ? Are you thinking about pursuing a literary agent? I DJ know. said, "Hell no." <laughs> No, I'm not. Why not? Um, I just, I don't. I mean, I, it's not a challenge. I'm just interested in um, why. I, the it just doesn't seem like uh that beneficial to me, in my opinion, for for me and what I'm doing. Okay, that, listen, yeah. that's that's fair. Yeah. 
That's fair. So DJ writes children books. Mm-hmm. T writes romantic novels. And children's books. And children's books now. Mm-hmm. What other genres would you ladies like to write? Mm-hmm. Like if you were given free reign, like if I had the ability, I would pen the black Harry Potter. Like I would literally say fuck everything for two. So why years. don't you? Because I, no, I, my brain doesn't, my brain literally does not work in that way. I, I have sat down and tried to, to process magical shit in my brain. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna tell my you that's you read books, shit. right? You huh? read you read all the Harry Potter books, right? Hell no, them shits is this what I'm telling you. I gotta watch the movie. Oh. My brain do not process that <laughs> shit. Have you it seen those books? Those okay. books look like the will to stay to trust books. Okay. Oh, no. That whole shit look like purse therapies. I don't want nothing to do with it. I'm gonna be mm-hmm. honest. I watch the movies. Love it. Got a costume. That's that's well, I'm gonna tell you this. <laughs> In order to be a good writer, you got to read. I do read. But you got to read the books you want to write. Well, that's why I said I've accepted my limitation. I do read the books that I want to write. <laughs> I'm okay with my limitations. The problem is when people don't accept their limitations and try to do some shit they're not willing to do the work for. I have already accepted. I don't, I'm not going to read those books, so I'm not going to be able to write those books. That's all right with me. The books I do read are the kind of stories that I like to write. Yeah. So which ones would you write? I write like strong female lead books. Like, so my favorite book is um, Lady Boss by Joan, Joan, Jackie Collins. It is the Lucky Santangelo books are my most favorite books on planet earth to read. I am drawn to strong female characters. Obviously being a black woman, my strong female characters are black. (laughs) <laughs> they're black and they tell our stories and they tell our stories kind of in in a way that I feel isn't told I feel like we're often one or the other we either grew up and had this hard life and pulled ourselves up by the bootstrap or yeah. we were affluent and you know our life was affluent and oh my god the crestless sandwich <laughs> and all that type of shit when, <laughs> when in reality <laughs> there's a lot of us much like myself who grew up very hybrid like I grew up in the Bronx when my father was a professional athlete I had stamps on my passport before I had a bus fast so there are other stories about strong black female leads that aren't being told mm-hmm. and that's what I'm drawn to writing those are the stories that yeah. I visualize in my head like I see those stories in my head and then I write them so that's what I'm drawn to I read those kind of stories that's for me and I can enjoy Harry Potter you know mm-hmm. from the mezzanine <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm all right with that but outside of the genres you ladies already write what genres would you like to write in Ugh. So I do, so I do romance and I do kid lit, I do picture books and I'm actually dabbling with the YA right now, actually, to start um, writing. However, I am a huge, huge fan of David Baducci, who writes, um, I might be saying his name wrong, but he writes like political thrillers. I thought it was Baducci, but girl. I, okay, I, so you know who I'm talking about. I, I know, because I so, like those books too. <laughs> obsessed, obsessed. I like those books. With the real Roby, then he came out with Amos Decker. I'm like, this my boy. Then he just <laughs> dropped on Tuesday that Atley Pine, the third in the installment, of which I just finished listening to. I couldn't even listen to Barack's book because at first of all, I was like, it's 29 hours. I don't. 29 hours? 29 hours and 10 minutes is Barack's. I'm going to read it. As much as I, I love it, as much I as could. I love Uncle Barry's voice, I prefer to read His it. His voice is like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this I, love, the I love 
hear him <laughs> but he's like <laughs> yeah I, I can't I can't do it yes so I would love to try my hand at like one of those type of books um because I just I'm here for it. I actually today went to Costco's P.S. My favorite place on earth, people, the Costco. Love the Costco. My baby girl calls it tacos. Um, I love that. So she's like, we go. My mom took it to Costco so off topic. Took it to Costco (laughs) and she came back home. She said, we went to tacos. And I was like, no, we went to tacos. We went to the store. Like so, at three, she's obsessed with Costco. She's on the right. She's that, on the right path. She's I'm going be to be an amazing human. <laughs> but they had the first ten books of Nancy Drew. Remember when those? I tell you, I have read all of the Nancy Drew mysteries. Like I love her. That will. I promise you, I will write the black version of the Nancy Drew. You mystery. better go ahead. I know um, that's. Right because and that's why i bought them so that i can read them and relive my childhood real quick and figure out how taquisha gonna be up here so i'll be <laughs> ministering <laughs> hey tata <laughs> i was a sweet valley high girl through and through yeah i don't think i read any of through and through books. if they dropped the book baby i was there like you'd be online for jordan's i was what <laughs> couldn't get it quick enough <laughs> I needed to know what was going on with them damn twins. I, I needed everything. <laughs> I did. I just came to Costco for paper towels and walked out with an air fryer in these books. Girl, I left just the other day with a new robe. I've been raving about it on Twitter all day today. It feels like love. It really does. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> what about you, DJ? What genres would you write? Um, I would definitely continue with the children's books. Um, I think I would want to venture out into the young adult also. And honestly, like, I feel I, I want to write a self-help book. Yeah. I dig it. Yes. I, I dig it. A self-help book. I, I dig that. I feel like your, your compassionate side would really do well with a like a self-help book because I'd write some shit like get the fuck over it. Enough <laughs> I mean that's self-help too. <laughs> I mean my version of self-help is tough love. <laughs> but, I, but DJ's a much more compassionate person. So I think that that's actually I feel like that's you know that's a line. Uh, I, I would buy it. That's a line in my Thank eyes. <laughs> But since we got on childhood books that we loved, what was your childhood series that you loved, DJ? Um, believe it or not, I loved Dr. Seuss books growing up. Yeah, that's a popular fucking brand. That's believable. <laughs> and um, yeah, there's something about rhyming um, children's books that I'm really drawn to. Like my book is a rhyming book yeah. as well. So I don't know what it is about the rhyme, but I love it. The rhyme you know, rhythm. Love, you know what books I loved besides Sweet Valley High? Because I'm telling y'all. Even when they got a show, I was watching that shit. I was addicted. Um, but those, the pick your ending books. Oh, choose your own adventure. Yes. yes. That's a, okay. So I work for the government now. That's every day feels like a pick. pick your <laughs> it does. <laughs> every day there's a new email on payroll and this and that. And every day I'm like, page 38. Page 42, go to the treehouse. Because every day at this job feels like a choose your own oh, adventure. Man. I love those books. 
I forgot about those. Yes, I love those too. Those were really good. Those are bomb. Did you like? And you could read them over and over again and have different stories each time. It was like I felt like somebody's black mama came up with that because you know we're gonna stretch the dollar. Mm -hmm. You're gonna get this one book and you're gonna have five adventures. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not not buying five goddamn books. (laughs) (laughs) You're gonna be okay with it. (laughs) Black mama. Black mama. You want me to buy how many? Mm-mm. Pretend. Use your imagination. Listen, that's a real thing. So, what projects do we have coming up, ladies? T, I know you got some projects coming up, so go ahead. What you got coming up? That you can um, talk about. Don't yeah, the me. ones I can talk about publicly. So, I am actually in the process of completing the first draft of my adult um, romance. It is a, it's not the sequel for those of you who have read After the Storm. Please don't ask about (laughs) book two of that book. Uh, (laughs) It's not what I wrote. I absolutely adore this one, though. Like the character in this book, she is freaking. She's phenomenal. Y'all gonna love her. Um, so the first draft, which um, I think you've probably seen on Instagram, I talk about and kind of share my Scrivener, like showing people where I'm at with it. Um, it's hot trash right now. <laughs> Pure fire, garbage. But it is what it is, draft one. It's what it's supposed to be. Um, this is draft. The next, um, I got some picture books that I've written that I actually probably need to sit back down and like look at them and revise. Um, But my major project is the one um, that just released um, the announcement for, and that's um, the one on the contemporary women film directors. So that's that's, um, the one I'm actually under contract for, the one that actually has to be turned in by a certain date. So um, I'm really excited about it. it's um, for young adults and it's nonfiction. So it's kind of out of my lane a little bit. So it kind of is going to be a, a good challenge for me, but I'm co-authoring it. So I'm not by myself. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm really excited um, about that project. So that's what's up. Yes. DJ, what new things you're bringing us? Um, so if I'm being perfectly honest, I don't have anything in the works right now. That's um, fine. Yeah. 2020 was Shit, a busy for me. And um, it's funny because for the first part of quarantine, I was really guilting myself about not doing things. I'm like, oh, I have all this time. I'm just at home. I have all this time. I should be productive. I'm not being productive. And I finally just allowed myself to say, you know what? I don't have to do anything. Good for you. <laughs> so that's nah. where I'm at. Good. That's real. No, nah, that, that's, I definitely went through that portion of quarantine where I was like, you haven't written shit. You barely want to record. You're not working out. I'm not mm-hmm. running. And, you know, anyone who follows me, you know that running is life for me. And I just was like, girl, yeah. you are just sitting here squandering this free time. But, nah, sometimes the downtime is exactly what the hell you need. And mm-hmm. it's okay to embrace that. Yeah. Like, that shit is completely okay. I yeah. have nothing to release. <laughs> and everything to retype you know what else I have started um so I've always wanted to be like a tv writer like Mm. obsessed with it but I actually do read scripts and listen to podcasts about stuff like that like I actually do the work because I really do want to do that (sighs) but I listened to a podcast very recently I forget the man's name but um 
he's like he's a big dude he's like he's got shows on hbo showtime of course he's a white man so you kind of got to take his story with a grain of salt because the kind of shit he gets away with we're not going to get away with but um so he opens up his story and the first thing he says is don't waste your money on school thanks and i was like yo the fucking privilege attached to being white because black screenwriters and, and black authors don't have the luxury of showing up at HBO without credentials. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have the luxury to just pull up like, yo, yeah. so I'm really fucking talented and I can prove it. <laughs> like we need a body of work, uh, a fucking receipt from some college that says that, that we're good enough to even get in the room. And I was just like, fuck, mm-hmm. I ain't gonna learn nothing from these motherfuckers because it's all from this entitled space. Like all of their experience is this experience that I'm not going to have. So if anyone has any suggestions, like if Lena is dropping a podcast or some shit, if Ava is dropping a podcast on how to actually get into the work, right. let me know, drop a comment, send an email, slide in the DMs, anything, because I'm interested, but I, I need to know how this works. Yeah. From, from, for, for, Bad courses. Um, <laughs> I mean, because I don't plan to go back and get an MFA. For no, I, I'm not going to get another degree. I got about 40s, motherfucker. Yeah, that's that's just yeah. I'm yeah. This is not happening. But I have taken some courses. I did take a course um, for my picture book writing because picture book writing is a different beast. It's not as simple, especially you have a lawyer to try to come. You know, we're wordy by nature. Yeah, so come in there, and we use big words just regularly. So having to kind of not say them as big like you're still gonna learn some vocabulary but yeah. you may not need to know like you know perceived you may not need to know any of that stuff it's probably not relevant proximate cause it's probably not probably <laughs> but maybe it. it is but maybe you might even lose rate was it res ips ipsa liquidator i would never say that i used to be like liquidator like i know professor used to be like Please stop. You know what? Race Ipsa is like my favorite shit. I think I use it all the fucking time still. I still don't understand how it works. Um, the thing speaks for itself. Oh, well, there it is. There. <laughs> that is the irony. And that's why I do trademarks. And copyrights. <laughs> I don't have time for anything else. You want me to? No, but um, but I did. I took a course, and you know, but I still there's. I just think just as black people, just we have to really push past the imposter syndrome. We have to push past feeling that we have to be. It's just in our. It's in our genes. It's. I hate to say it is a product. A product of slavery. At the end of the day, and that's just how we we operate like we we have to show you that we can write and that's kind of how i feel like even if i was still indie publishing i still got to prove that i've still wrote a good book yeah i still got to prove to you that you know i did this well and, and that i deserve to be at this table but i'm at the point now um just as i'm kind of you know dealing with my own stuff and you know therapy is my friend you know i believe jesus plus therapy go well together amen to work um but just kind of come to that table where I'm just like, no, I do deserve to be here. No, I do belong to be here. I am a dope writer. You go yeah. hear about this name and you're going you gonna to learn about me. You're going to know. And I look forward to my name being mentioned among some of the great children book writers or this, the great, you know, authors, you yeah. know, 
to be compared to a Terry McMillan or to, you know, uh, Elin Harris. Like, I look forward to that day. Yeah. I do. And I want to be there. I want to be my my own person. I got that from uh, Shonda Rhimes. And she was like, she wanted to be like we the next Toni Morrison. You know, I am obsessed with Shonda. <laughs> we love us. <laughs> so... You know, but when she was just like how she broke out of going down the path of being an author and mm-hmm. got into TV and um, she did a little bit of film, but just being herself and just kind of standing in that lane. And that's what I'm working on, making sure that I'm doing that. The writing that I do, this is my lane and don't try to box me into whatever narrative that you're mm-hmm. trying to fit me in. Like I do this and I, you know, I do it well. That's why I wanted to like have y'all on and kind of do this topic. Um, Like I said, in doing my own research and listening to other writers talk about their experience, it is very often not our experience. And while I can always learn something from everybody, let's keep it a buck. We live in this America and I know that this white man's experience of, oh, I didn't I just showed up type of shit is not (laughs) not how it works for most of us and I know I'm not the only person um I've had a few people on here who are actually in the process of writing you know cookbooks and self-help books like DJ talked about and they don't have any mentorship and they haven't published a book before so they really don't know what the process looks like or sounds like so I was just like I know some people (laughs) Let me just put together what I've been seeking. Yeah. If, if it ain't there, build it, right? That's right. I mean, that's well, and that's what we need to do as a community, right? Come together yeah. and and build. And, you know, you got two people who can speak from both sides of the house. You know, um, I never knock indie publishing because, hell, I still probably would indie publish, you know, given the opportunity. But I wanted to try my hand at traditional before I just was like, you know, whatever, Fuck. screw it. Yeah, like I just... <laughs> Yes, that was actually the word I wanted to say. <laughs> this is a safe space for cussing. You're fine. All my cussing is in my manuscripts, um, not my children's book. We have a special pen name for the adult stuff so that the teachers and the parents don't be like, what in the hell? Um, <laughs> it's an asshole. There is a book that is called, um, what is it? Um, go to go go to fuck to sleep or something like that oh, um i've heard of that you yeah. think yeah that. and i think samuel reads it as well oh i would totally totally add that to my kindle totally yeah. I, i'm gonna find it because it's literally a real ch- please I, I let me know because i really I, wish i could read it to my children but i cannot because they I think are like my mother authored that book <laughs> <laughs> i think it's called go to fuck to sleep <laughs> yeah i think okay. <laughs> I feel like that's a Shazo classic. Um, so before I let you ladies go, one book that you will never read again. Oh, that's mean. <laughs> I didn't say it was bad. You just won't read it again. Okay. I would say the um, the Game of Thrones. Uh, you read it? You see what I'm saying? I, can't I, read, say- I read all of them. I read all of them. <gasps> no, they were books. Wow. You know what? <laughs> you worse than me. <laughs> yeah, I I won't read them again um, because the shit is dense. They're, they're good though. They're they're really good, and they had to cut a lot out. I heard that into the this the series. I heard that 
the way they ended that show, fuck them, man. That was some yeah, bullshit. it was um that's that's a whole nother project. Yeah, that that's a whole fucking podcast. I may have a round <laughs> table. present for that one. I don't I even be present for that one. I have some thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Listen, because I'm I'm pissed. We waited years for some bullshit. <laughs> fucking bullshit. But yeah. So I would I would read those books again. That's fair. T one book you would never read again, or a series of books you wouldn't read again. That's really tough for me. Um, only because I haven't read so long. But there is one book. I think it was um, it was by Eric Drum Dickey. Now I've read a lot of his books, but I could not get into. Um, I'm drawing a blank. The series that he did with the guy. It was like, uh, what's his name? He was like a murderer or something, and not a, it was like an assassin or something. It was just weird. Everything about it was weird. Gillian. <laughs> Gilead or whatever his name Gillian there was a Gillian series and I tried to read it and I was like no sir give me my erotica (laughs) (laughs) give me my erotica I would never read the color purple again it was a very hard read it was not not hard as in difficult but hard as in like I felt that shit and probably because I was very young when I read it probably too damn young but I mean that that's on brand for my old soul. Um I like every time I think about the book or even envision the book, I have a visceral reaction to it. Like I feel all the feelings all over again. Mm-hmm. And once was enough. It, it was emotionally draining. I I could never sit down and read that whole book again. You you good. <laughs> I can watch the movie several times. I yeah, listen. Hey, you know when well, they- you do right by me. <laughs> with the fingers <laughs> I, I will watch Whoopi and Oprah until the cows come home but I can't read Toe that Hopper to beat me I <laughs> yeah. mad random off topic before I let y'all go Oprah's a that motherfucking Oprah can act okay Oprah she can really him. for that acting she really I mean no. They gotta give Oprah the things. She needs to get the things. Did y'all know she was the voice in the Princess um and the Frog movie? Mm-hmm. I did not show it. And now I know she was I Mama Oda. That. She did a whole voice change for Mama Oda. I, I do not. I've never. I was never a big fan of Oprah the host, but Oprah the actress, baby, sis delivers. The yeah. woman's a Bruce place. Listen, Oprah been giving us the quality content. For a long time, and they need to give sister things. That's all I'm saying. She deserves. She said she don't need their things. She's a billionaire. That's all right. Give it to her anyway. I want all my shit and the money. (laughs) (laughs) So, ladies, thank you so much for coming on, taking some time to talk with the good people out in uh, Cyberland and YouTube land, and sharing your insight and definitely dropping some gems. I definitely learned a lot. I hope whoever's listening learned a lot. Um, I will include all your information in the comment box so the good people can buy the merch. Buy the merch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Support Black artists. Buy all the merch. Also, make sure you get your Black Girl SOS t-shirts, www.brandsnobby.com. It'll be on YouTube. It'll be um, Spotify, Google, Apple. Make sure that you follow us on Instagram. And until next time, y'all have a good one. Peace. Bye.